You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey, everybody. I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And welcome to The Comics Hall. Hello. This is... This is very strange for us. I mean, we're back to form after two straight weeks of events. We had Princess yes. Week and then we had our Star Wars Week, but we are back to New Comic Book Day, which is in itself is an event every single week. We are joined by our fantastic moderator today. Hello, everybody. I'll be in the chats with you, passing on questions and hanging out. Excellent. And as always, Rob has also picked up the books that we checked out this week. So if you guys have any questions for him in particular, you can also drop those his way. Uh, Today is Wednesday, May 12th, a fantastic week for comics. We've got so much stuff to cover for you, but we're going to start off with a little bit of comic book news that you might have missed uh, from the last week. Because, you know, we had the crazy events going on. Uh, So we've got some some news to catch up for with you guys. Uh, so first up, Marvel Comics has released new information about the trial of Magneto, which you might have heard a little bit about because we did get a teaser uh, earlier in the week by uh, John Romita Jr. Of course, he is making his return to Marvel, so that was a pretty big uh, deal to have that uh, promotional artwork. But now we have information about the series and how it will be playing out. It is going to be an upcoming miniseries spinning out of this summer's Hellfire Gala from the X-Men universe. And it will be a five-issue series written by Leah Williams, uh, who is currently doing the X-Factor series, with artwork artwork, excuse me, by Lucas Warnick. Um, and this, this is I mean, we don't know why Magneto is being put on trial. It's uh, been speculated that it is a murder that occurs at the gala, but we don't have much more information than that because there's going to be um, a lot of stuff going on at that gala, especially people's fantastic outfits. But um, we know that some of you guys in the local comic society have had some interesting fan theories about what uh, Magneto might be getting framed for. So that'll be fun, exciting, unfortunate for him. Uh, But you can check that out this summer when it goes on sale on August 18th. Uh, online and in your local comic book store. Hope they got a plastic casket, which is just thinking about it. It's a pretty sick band name, Amy. <laughs> um, dibs. <laughs> <laughs> damn, I didn't call dibs. Um, all right, everyone, moving it on to something I'm sure all of you uh, probably caught. Uh, Sony has released a trailer for the Venom sequel, Let There Be Carnage. Tom Hardy returns as Eddie Brock, who seems to be adjusting to life with his, uh, you know, Lovely and trusty symbiote. The trailer also features a voiceover from Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy, a serial killer who has become bonded to the symbiote Carnage. Uh, they also switched up a little bit of the um, original lore there. I actually really do enjoy how they had kind of changed it up, so I'm really excited to see Woody Harrelson bring a lot of that to um, to the screen. So Let There Be Carnage plays up the odd couple angle with humor in the clips, so fans can look forward to a fun symbiote romp through New York uh, when the film releases on September 24th later this year. Very excited. Very, very excited for that film. That uh, whole breakfast scene, I'm not going to spoil much of it. I mean, it is a trailer. That whole breakfast scene, I would watch just a whole movie of that. Yeah, very bromance, very odd couple uh, vibes going on there. Very fun. And as I've as I've noted on our new at Sideshow show every 9 a.m. Uh, Monday through Friday, I have a lot of friends who aren't really interested in Marvel Comics or they're they're very casual MCU dabblers, uh, but they right. really liked the dynamic of Venom <laughs> and Eddie. And so they are very excited to see the return of that for yeah. Let There Be Carnage, which I think is fantastic. I mean, whatever draws you towards these characters, that's great. But I love that they have no deep interest in Marvel 
but they're like, I like this this weird guy and his weird it's, goop. <laughs> it's great because you know Donny Cate. I mean, Donny Cate wasn't the first to bring the comedy aspect into Venom by any means, but he sort of has. He's been the newest to do it, um, and I like to see that they're steering into that because Venom can also be like that real serious shadow or in your brain. And I'm glad they're kind of steering away from that. And it's like the the humorous aspect of Venom. Yeah, and I believe there was a one-sheet poster they teased for that and it had some similarities to a Ryan Stegman Venom piece from their oh, collaboration together. It was it was from the mouth of Carnage looking mm-hmm. at Venom. So uh, be teasing curious a, to see. Teasing a third villain. Um, I'll, it might rhyme with dull, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Which, maybe. It's null. Um, but <laughs> we don't know that for sure. But uh, what we do know for sure is personally my favorite piece of comic book news from this week. According to Deadline, Legendary has closed a deal for Regina King to direct and produce an adaptation of Images Bitterroot. Now, this was not news. We already knew that uh, Ryan Coogler was uh, on the, or the, the adaptation itself is not news, but the uh, addition of Regina King is fantastic. But uh, Ryan Coogler is also set to produce this project. It is, of course, based on the uh, Eisner winning Image Comics series uh, by David F. Walker, Sanford Green and Chuck Brown. Uh, it takes place in the Harlem Renaissance in uh, 1924, where the fractured Sangerier family hunt and cure monsters that take over the souls of hateful, prejudiced humans. There's no release date or casting news for the movie at this time, but fans can pick up the first two volumes of Bitterroot now from Image Comics and Comixology. And you guys know, if you've watched this show, how much I love that book. It is one of the best uh, supernatural fantasy mm-hmm. stories going on right now. The wait may be a little bit longer than most uh, in-between issues lately, but that is because the team is putting all their hard work into this story, and it is just a fantastic uh, tale of histor- uh, historical significance and uh, just a lot of fun imaginative fantasy elements with real-world uh, racism and drama as mm-hmm. the kind of crux of this supernatural story. Oh, I yeah. We've I'm been so telling excited. you. On the comics hall, do not sleep on this book. It was like one of the first things we did, everyone. So I think they're up to issue thirteen now. Really? Yeah, yeah. There was there were thirteen issues so far, and then there was the Red Summer special. And I know that the next oh, trade paperback right. will connect collect uh, this arc, and then it will collect the Red Summer special, which was kind of. Um, it, it was what it wasn't it. You talked about this previously. It was like teased so long ago at like a Comic Con or a New York Con, right? Yeah, it was. I want to say it was teased at Image Expo in like 2017 or so, mm-hmm. um, with a beautiful, beautiful concept piece oh, yeah. by Sanford. But yeah, if you love the 1920s, I mean, this is—it's just such a stylish and fun uh, book, and I really love the perspective they take on on kind of building their own monster lore uh, in this in this series. So, anyways, yeah. I am all in for the adaptation. Very Sounds excited. Like it's be fantastic. <laughs> So Very that excited. is our that is our comic book news for the day. Just a couple short and sweet bites for you guys as we dive in now to our weekly haul. Welcome back to the weekly haul. I mean, I hope everybody picked up, picked up their books this week, especially uh, because there were some interesting rules for pickup for some people's books, but I'm not going to go into that <laughs> this week. We do have a pick of the week that is kind of the big headliner. We know that DC books actually come out on Tuesdays now, so... Uh, Bear with us if you've already picked this up, but if you're getting your books on Wednesday, you're going to want to check out the DC Festival of Heroes number one, One Shot. This is a 100-page special. This is the Asian superhero celebration. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the most recent, I believe, of DC's big anthologies. The last one we saw was, of course, Love is a Battlefield for... Mm -hmm. uh, I almost said for the 4th of July. For Valentine's Day, (laughs) you you know. (laughs) 
<laughs> Wrong holiday. Um, so close. So this is uh, DC Festival of Heroes. This is something that Paul and I both picked up this week. I only pulled a select few of the names for the artists, writers, colorists, mm-hmm. and letters because there are like 10 different stories in this book. Just a massive, massive collection, plus a ton of artists contributing amazing pinups. Um, I'm sure yeah. Paul's checking the math right now. But some yeah, I've got of, it. I've got it right here. Some of the writers we have um, mm-hmm. include Mariko Tamaki, Ram, uh, Ram V, Dustin Nguyen, Greg Pak, Alyssa Wong, Jean Luen Yang, and more. We've got art by Marcus To, Trung, uh, Trung Lane Nguyen, Audrey Mock, Bernard Chang, Marcio Takara, and more. And then we've got colors by Sunny Go, Rain Barreto, Sebastian Chang, and more. With mm-hmm. letters by Janice Chang, Aditya Bidikar, Steve Wands, and more. There are there's so many. I mean, we could sit here for the next 20 minutes, I think, discussing yeah. the creative teams. But not only is it an Asian superhero celebration, it is a celebration of uh, incredible Asian talent uh, mm-hmm. in the comic book industry, tackling some amazing characters. This is just such a fun just a fun I love these anthology outputs that DC has been doing not only to highlight their characters but also yeah. the creators that they've got in their uh, their lineup right no and it's been so much fun and there are the 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 good thing about all of these particular stories is um, you know when you, after you read the first the second one the third one uh, there are so many stories and if you know maybe the first one doesn't really hit you if it's gonna do anything it's going to introduce you to a character that you may not no exists in the ever expanding DC omniverse. It is the omniverse <laughs> now. I have to remember that. Uh, so it is the omniverse. There are so many characters that, I mean, I completely understand. Like, there's no way that you can get all of these characters in front of everyone's eyes all of the time. Um, so to see some of, you know, some characters here, um, you know, like Connor Hawk, you know, who is who's been Arsenal? He's been Green Arrow. He's been Speedy. He's been different people all throughout, but he's usually in the Green Arrow family. You know, with uh, oh, uh, it's Kanan Kong, Kong, Kong Kanan, Kong Kanan. Thank you. Who is the uh, new the, Superman? The new Superman. Um, that's you know that's a story that we have written by Greg Pak. Greg Pak, I'm sorry. Um, it's just such a fun mix of so many generations of DC comics and getting to see them on the same page and interacting. It's, it's really great. I mean, if you guys can pull anything from this, I mean, it's only, I mean, we don't like to aim these pick of the weeks, which we will get into, but we do a very light aim of them. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess maybe we can kind of kick that off real fast. As far as accessibility goes, um, Amy, which is what the, cause aim everyone is an acronym speaking of green arrow and we'll uh, we'll refresh everybody on that yes, when we, we drill down into the the hard aim segment because it's been a couple weeks you might have forgotten yeah. um but in terms of accessibility I- i'll say because i'm our i'm our resident uh extremely dc casual uh <laughs> reader um i have a i have a passing familiarity with a lot of these characters but i think oh, yeah. especially um a couple of these stories do a fantastic job of introducing you to the character as they have an inner monologue about themselves and their identity and there's a lot of celebration of who they are but also um kind of letting you know who they are mm-hmm. um so I, I found that especially notable with the cassandra kane story re- reminding people that she was um trained as an expert 
assassin and kind of not encouraged to learn to speak. And so she was mute for a, a while. And so it's uh, that one's a Mariko Tamaki story. Just a really nice kind of exploration of how, how she's how she views words and how she's learning to um, use them in her own identity. Um, the Damian Wayne story, especially as well, uh, gave you this great because he's like, I'm Damian Wayne and I'm, I'm considered the son of Batman, but I'm also the son of the demon. And like so you get a nice introduction to these characters. Evil. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of that, too. Um, <laughs> But a lot of it, especially with the younger generations of characters that are included in this, mm-hmm. um, I think it's extremely accessible. And this is the first appearance. So if you're, we need a we need a title card for a first appearance alert. I think um, we'll put that in the notes for next time. But a first appearance of a brand new DC character. This is uh, <laughs> we've got the introduction of the Monkey Prince in this story yes. by Jean Lu and Yang and Bernard mm-hmm. Chang, in which the Monkey Prince, who is a um, kind of based on the character in Chinese folklore. Uh, he doesn't like superheroes very much, but he ends up teaming up with Shazam to stop Dr. Savannah. Um, and so that is a brand new story, brand yes. new character alert. Um, so even that, if you don't have any familiarity with the character, good news. No one else does Boom. either before this book. So um, Accessible as heck. I really liked it. And in between all the stories, which are varying lengths, I think the longest of any story is about 10, eight mm-hmm. or 10 pages. We've got a couple of four pagers. Uh, there's beautiful pinups as well. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, some of them are so great. And I, I do love, uh, again, there are so many of these characters. Like, I've, I, I've been reading TC for, you know, the to the nth metal amount of years. <laughs> I don't know how many, um, how long I've been reading DC. But a lot of these characters, like, I still have only read them as C-list characters in other stories and so to see them sort of you know get a for to see them at the forefront of some of these writers minds and some of these artists you know uh pencils or um whatever digital artists use i'm not really familiar but um <laughs> to see whatever you know whatever they use um and how they bring some of these characters to light it, it's really interesting um there's a particular story in here that is actually by amy chu um and it's called the festival of heroes which um sort of i feel like sets the tone for what this book is and what this book wants to say um mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting take on how uh people see the Asian community, specifically different parts of the Asian community and how uh, people who unfortunately see the Asian community in a negative light are are the real minority. And they do such a beautiful job of crafting that story in the realm of superheroes. Uh, and it's beautifully told and it's beautifully uh, drawn. It's uh, Marcio Takara is the artist. Love, and again, I love Marcio yeah. Takara. <laughs> it's so beautiful and it's so fun um also has my favorite um like one of my favorite dynamics is katana with soul taker i've always loved that because the justice league has repeatedly said like you know we'll take anyone because we believe that you know justice lives not just in black and white but in gray areas and and stuff and they're like no she's crazy because she just walks around and talks to her sword because the sword (laughs) houses the soul of her husband and so she just talks to it and i've always loved katana and she's sort of getting a resurgence um in in modern dc comics she had a lot actually to do in um Marika Tamaki's uh, uh, detective comics that she's writing right now as well. I mean, there's so much. There's so much about this book to love. And there's a a great inclusion at the back, not only um, a page for resources and what you can do to stop 
um, Asian hate because this did come out at a very poignant time uh, mm -hmm. in our in our cultural moment. But there's also introductory character bios to all of the characters featured in the book. Mm -hmm. And I think one of my other favorite elements that you kind of touched on in Festival of Heroes, but um, throughout a lot of the stories, food is a binding element with yes. these stories. And um, I mean, the food always looks delicious. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking especially, I mean, it's it's not quite Studio Ghibli levels because that's that has the advantage of being animated, but uh, the description and the love and reverence and the sharing of food um, is, is an important part of this as right. well. So I think that's uh, just a really, a really nice part of this. It's just, I again, I am so impressed by the output of these anthologies, and I know that $9.99 looks like a really scary price point, but it is 100 pages of comics. These look like bona fide, uh, bona fide like, magazines they just have a nice like it's it's so cool to go in pick up a book that has a spine to it really it's not just staples it's a it's a bound book and it's got the glossy cover to it and they're just really fun outings and and um oh my god what month is it it's may uh in june we're gonna get pride month anthologies from both marvel and dc but but especially in the dc format i've been exceptionally impressed um, yeah and by i, the and I, I can out. say going out on a limb because I am much more comfortable making an idiot of myself and being wrong. If you are to pick up one of these oversized 100-page books, make it this one. Mm -hmm. um, I've read mostly all of them, starting with like Cybernetic Summer, which I think was released in June. I don't think I've missed one. Uh, this is by far the like one of the best-looking, some of the best teams. Also, sheds a light on some... Um, sheds a light on some of the um you know some of the characters that we don't normally get to see a whole bunch and it's really interesting it's so fun i think um <clears throat> to see and you guys will see it when you get to festival of heroes to see the justice league in like the back of the pack you know and and like not at the forefront it's 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 a really it's it's kind of a trick on the eye a little bit because you're not used to seeing that you're used to seeing the trinity you know right up front so it's it's just really cool it's a really fun book uh also of course i love that green lantern story i've always loved a good green lantern story mm -hmm. um but yeah i will say if there's one of these to pick up it's it's definitely festival of heroes it's so good so good all right it looks like we've got a question coming in from the audience rob do you want to pass that along to us sure tenshi mazaki over in our facebook group asked who are Amy and Paul's favorite Asian descent DC characters? All right. Oh. Nice. Amy, do you want to tackle this first? Do you want me to go? Uh, I, I, let, I'll let you take the lead because you are, you are our DC man about town. <laughs> um, yeah, my answer is easy. Ryan Choi, uh, the Atom. I love, 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 love. He's my favorite version of the Atom. Um, he is, you know, no, like he's even... So I've always, okay, let me explain this. The reason I've always liked Ryan Joy specifically is sort of playing on what I just said in a second is that he noticeably never, ever feels like he has to be the smartest person in the room. And he's always very, very quiet and is not afraid of making mistakes. Uh, we've seen that in, um, you know, a multitude of Justice League stories. I mean, we got him in Scott Snyder's Justice League stories. Like, he was the Adam. That's sort of what solidified that for me. Um, but, I mean, in in short, it would be Ryan Choi who is the Adam. I don't want to get too, um, 
too, too into it. Ray Palmer's fantastic. You know, no uh, disrespect to any of the Palmer <laughs> stands out there, but Ryan Choi is is my uh, my Adam for sure. And, and Ryan Choi is included in this anthology. He is. He is yeah, in- he's towards the the back end of of this hundred page. He's headlining, if you will. <laughs> Um, I'm going to have to go with, I have two different answers because again, I'm not super, super versed in DC. Um, so one of my answers, I, I feel like I have to qualify it a little <laughs> bit. I really like Katana, but um, from oh, what I know yeah. of her from uh, both Suicide Squad and um, DC Superhero Girls. So I know that that's not 100%. <laughs> I mean, depending nice. on your feelings, that's not like critical uh, comic book canon and backstory, but I really like uh, the way that she's portrayed in DC Superhero Girls. But I also, I think, in terms of newer characters, um, I really like uh, Kong Kinan and uh, the Justice League um, that they introduced. And I think I think it's fun to have uh, those kind of cockier, younger heroes uh, stepping stepping in and, and taking on mantles. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, like, legacy-style characters, and I know he's not one-to-one legacy with Superman, but uh, just the introduction of him and that kind of uh, generation of his own uh, Justice League I, I I really enjoy so far. <laughs> yeah, I and I do always love. I mean, I don't know if uh, how far a lot of people got into Kong Kanon's uh, new Superman story. I think I got a, a few issues in, but one of the telling aspects is Superman loves him. He absolutely <laughs> loves Clark. Clark Kent loves him, and it's because he's just like, I wish I had that kid's confidence. <laughs> he is so confident, and I love Kong Kanon so much. He's such a fun character. Yeah, especially when you think of Clark Kent as Superman and you think of the bashful farm boy from Smallville and it's just like, no, now we've got we've got a teenager who knows he's hot stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's so good. So I've, I like so I like well. those kinds of characters. So thank you, Tenchi, for the question. That was fantastic. And I and I I, I encourage everybody um, to pick up this. This is I mean, it's our so pick good. of the week. And we don't just throw that term around lightly. We don't. We've got no. we got so many other segments we could. We could choose, but we wanted to make it a pick of the week. But up next, we do have our AIM segment, the return of a fan favorite, of course, because this is where we get into some of the books that we've been reading. And we're going to refresh you guys really quickly on what AIM stands for. This is our own patented, super top secret, except not really, uh, acronym for the Comics Hall because we don't like numerical grades. Numbers are scary, not only because we can't do math very well, uh, but also because numbers are very, very very subjective. So we like yep. to dial it into a uh, more qualitative assessment of the comics that'll give you the information you need to uh, make an informed purchase. So the A in AIM stands for accessibility. How easy is this book to grab and read, both in terms of uh, finding it, where are you going to find it? How easy is it going to be? Is it already sold out? Is there a problem getting this book? What is going on? But also, how many other things do you have to have read? How many obstacles do you have to uh, overcome in order to dive into this particular story? Uh, in terms of I, that is the interest. What is this book about and who would like it? And are there any other similar books on the shelves that you might already be reading that would persuade you uh, in this direction? And then, of course, M is everybody's favorite. This is money or monetary investment. How much does it cost? I know we don't like numbers, but we like to break it down for you. How many pages you are getting for what you are spending, because that is about the only math we can handle on Wednesdays. Um, But we also want to let you know if for some reason there's a a massive price spike, like this week's DC Festival of Superheroes, 100 pages, $10. That, uh, That kind of math. What are you, what are you yep. getting for your hard-earned, uh, I was going to make some money joke, like Monopoly dollars, but that it didn't, <laughs> it didn't go Duckets? all the way. Duckets is money, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. And in, in a Shakespearean sense it is. Oh, I thought it's just like little duck coins. Is it not? <laughs> 
I don't know. Not so much. But Paul, do you want to take it away with our first aim of the week? Welcome, and welcome back to the aim segment after two whole weeks. I mean, this is yeah, our first, it's been, it's been our a first minute. aim of, of May. Uh, first aim of May. All right, everyone. So the first book that I am going to be aiming for everyone is Peter Parker, The Amazing Shutterbug, which is a one-off spinoff story within the Heroes Reborn event universe, uh, whatever you want to classify it as. Peter Parker, The Amazing Shutterbug, number one. As far as I know, I believe this is... It's either one of one or one of three, but I think it's only... Oh, no, this is a one-shot, actually. I'm sorry. Um, so there will not be another one. So you can just pick this up and enjoy it. Honestly, um, I have not... So I'm going to jump right into the aim um, in a second. But this is written by Mark Bernardin, um, art by uh, Rafael de la Torre, and Scott Hanna on inks and colors. Now, this was an interesting story. So jumping right into the aim of this, the accessibility... Uh, Heroes Reborn is all over the wall, wherever you are, whatever your shop is, so you should be able to find this, um, and it's one variant pretty easily. Um, now, how easy is it to pick up and read? Honestly, if you know anything about Spider-Man, like anything at all, um, I think you're good. <laughs> you don't even have to... I'm gonna Can be... he swing from a web? <laughs> I thought you were doing like a Dr. Seuss bit. Come on, Amy. Oh, no. I was going to do the theme song, but then I <laughs> kind of got Spider Pig in my brain as well. <laughs> I, I can play the, um, you know, is it the Amazing Spider-Man 2 when the lady's playing it outside the uh, outside the bus? Um, so if you know relatively anything about Spider-Man and his origin story from any of the Spider-Men's movies that we've gotten, uh, you're good. Honestly, you don't even need to have read any of the Heroes Reborn stuff uh, because I haven't. I've been moving, and this is the first part of Heroes Reborn that I have gotten to read. Um, and it's a great, great entry. And it's sort of, you know, in the very opening page of this, it sort of simplifies and really condenses everything you need to know about what Heroes Reborn is in a nutshell. So you're good. You pick If you pick this up, you're fine. If you're a Spider-Man fan, definitely pick this up. Now, as far as uh, interest goes, sort of pulling it from the last segment, if you're a Spider-Man fan, pick this up. You're really going to enjoy this. If you like, uh, you know, Elseworlds, Tales, What If stories, this is a great, great story for that. Um, I will say, uh, I know Rob Kocher, who is our incredible moderator, also read this, and I think um, our jaw dropped at probably the same page there is one page on here that is legitimately terrifying and it's so sad well not maybe not terrifying terrifying is wrong it, it's it's very sad it's uh it it takes a particular trope and turns it on its head um it's 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 fascinating and it's uh mark bernardin does a really good job here of just capturing that peter parker voice um this is a universe essentially where Peter Parker was never bit by the radioactive spider and he was never uh, turned into the amazing Spider-Man. But also in that Uncle Uncle Ben is still alive Aunt May is still there. He's in college and he's thriving. Um, and that's where you're dropped into with this story. And it's really, it's really interesting, but also uncomfortable to see Peter Parker so happy 
Um, and I think as, you know, Spider-Man fans, like if you've read any, you know, I, I'm not, I'm a casual Spider-Man fan. I've read, you know, a couple events, a couple of things he's done, but I don't know everything about Spider-Man. But it's still, you know, with Spider-Man and Peter Parker, there's always that like looming anchor over his head, just waiting for the axe to drop at any moment. Like with Clark Kent. Like, I mean, with any good hero, with Batman, anyone, any hero, it's like eh, nothing's going to last too long. Um, and so this uh, this takes Peter Parker and puts some, you know, boots on the ground. It's really good. It's really well told, I'd say. Um, and uh, uh, Rafael uh, De La Torre does a great job, I feel, of sort of capturing, because you do see a lot of New York and how busy New York is. He does that really well. Um, I think we kind of take that for granted when we read particular comics of of capturing like a city and its essence, especially a known city and a very known essence, something like New York. Um, and Dilator does a great job, great, great, great job of doing that. Um, and as far as the monetary investment goes here, it's a, it's four ninety nine, which is pretty standard cost right now for most of these Heroes Reborn books. I think that's probably going to be standard across the board. I don't know. Amy, are you reading any of the other ones? Um, the tie-ins that I'm reading haven't come out yet. I'm going to be reading the um, Young Squadron and um, the whatever the title for the Luke Cage one is, where he's the police commissioner. Um, oh, so I haven't, right, 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 I haven't right. had a chance to get those yet, but I believe it is. I mean, the, I know that the event title itself is $4.99. So yeah, it'll um, probably be standard. Yeah, looking at all of the, because today Heroes Reborn 2 came out and Hyperion and the Imperial Guard number one, they're all four ninety nine. So it's probably going to be four ninety nine across the board, but not too bad. Um, Peter Parker, The Amazing Shutterbug, is a, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good fun read. Um, I mean, it's not fun. I'm not going to say that like, you're going to be smiling through. <laughs> the it. definition of fun is flexible. <laughs> yes, can't Rob spell... is profusely shaking his head uh, backstage. <laughs> can't spell fun. No, you can't spell flexible without fun if you don't think about it too hard. Um, so. Peter Parker, The Amazing Shutterbug, number one, during the Heroes Reborn event. Uh, go pick it up. Honestly, it's really fun. It's it's a really, I, ugh, I hate to to say it, but it's a quirky, fun Peter Parker, uh, you know, what if story. It's it's really good. I promise. <laughs> Time. <Yeah. laughs> Thank you. Oh, it's. I mean, I think this. I think to the point of the books being four ninety nine. It's because. Um, not only are they one shots, and I think some of the one shots, especially, are are oversized. Um, but it's it's a line wide um, event. It's not one of these ones where your Thor title is going to be crossing over into this because this is a totally new universe in right. which all the heroes' stories have changed. So there's not going to be a lot of tie in titles. There are new mm -hmm. titles spinning out of the event. So I think most of them are probably going to go for that four ninety nine range. Um, speaking of a four ninety nine thing that spins out of another marvel thing great segue amy uh i am covering nice. x corp number one from marvel comics today this is the latest entry in the reign of x lineup which of course is spinning out of dawn of x which of course came out of hawks pox all a part of jonathan hickman's grand design for the x-men not to be confused with x-men grand design which is a totally separate series anyways <laughs> <laughs> um Wow, the X-Men are all over the place. Uh, this is written by Teeny Howard with art by Alberto Foce, uh, colors by Sonny Go, and letters by Clayton Cowles. And this is and the cover. That cover is a Michael Cho cover. Fantastic. Love, love, love those minimalist color designs. And he's done 
all of those uh, covers so far. I think they've had four issues solicited with that really fun style. And you can see that the issue number is actually listed as uh, milligram because it is in reference to a plot point that actually hasn't been super followed up on, uh, except out in uh, Marauders, I believe, with the, the Hellfire Trading Co. But the hmm. uh, life-giving and life-saving uh, drugs that the X-Men have been able to manufacture from the Krakoan portal plants uh, and the way that they've been able to provide that to humanity for a boon. And as Xavier says in the issue, um, the first offering was to kind of buy us our freedom. Now we've got the currency to spend on other things that we need. Um, so this is actually, I mean, it's interesting. I wouldn't normally consider the corporate drama uh, genre to be an X-Men related title, but uh, this is a very, very robust book. I'm going to jump to the M really quick because I mentioned it was $4.99. This is a 44-page story. Damn. This book is a thick boy. Uh, it <laughs> is just, it's it. I was reading it. I was like, this is a really long story, um, but it really if, lays a lot of groundwork. If this book was a dog, it'd be a corgi. <laughs> yes. Very, very, very. I mean, but it's not super fluffy. I wouldn't say there's a lot of extra uh, fluff around here, but this is a big Long. story. It's a big story. Um, so in terms of accessibility, while it is a new number one, it is best served by some knowledge of what's going on with the X-Men. If this is the first time that you've read an X-Men book in a long time, I would not recommend this to you because you are not going to recognize these X-Men, uh, especially uh, seeing them all in business suits. Uh, but um, if you at least, even if you read Hawks Pox, but you kind of trailed off, as long as you have an understanding that the X-Men are doing really well for themselves, then you can go into this book. Um, as a part of the Reign of X, this means it is coming off of not only Dawn, but um, it's coming out of Ten of Swords and all of those kind of progressed titles. And it is in the latest wave along with uh, Way of X, which is kind of one of the latest uh, debuts. And it will be heading into the Hellfire Gala. So if you guys are looking forward to the Hellfire Gala, this might be required reading ahead of that. Um, I will say in terms, this is a little bit interest, but a little accessibility. It features three key mutants, actually I'd say four, who really haven't had a place uh, in the main um, X-Men lineup. So if you are a fan of Monet St. Croix, uh, who was in the Storm giant-sized X-Men, uh, and then Warren Worthington III, Jamie Madrox, and Trinary, coming back from Tom Taylor's X-Men Red. If you are a fan of Trinary, the hacker mutant who can communicate with technology, um, they are kind of the big four of this book. And it is very interesting to see that they have not otherwise really had a place in most of, of the other X-Men stories. I mean, you can pinpoint where Emma Frost is and Kate Pride, and um, we've got Rogue and Gambit and Richter for Excalibur and all these different characters, but these four have really not uh, been super prominent. So it is cool to see them. Uh, and it is pretty fun to see Jamie Madrox using his multiple man powers <laughs> as um, he, he funds an entire, or he runs an entire um, science laboratory with all of his dupes. Um <laughs> Which is, nice. which is a lot of fun. So again, in terms of interest, if you are reading Reign of X and you've done uh, all the titles up through as recently Way of X, you're really going to want to check this one out. Um, that is, I think, the main draw of this title. Again, it's not your introduction to X-Men class. Um, it's a lot of fun in terms of... And, and I think, again, fun is, is not quite the right word. It's not a happy, fun, romp, jaunt, uh, like jaunty book, but it's... 
Um, if you like that kind of corporate drama and businessmen butting heads, we've got Monet and Warren as the heads of X Corp, and they have very different ideas about how to conduct business and how to announce themselves to the world. Because as we know, building up towards this summer's Hellfire Gala, this is where the X-Men are really going to reveal themselves and their plans to the world. And so it is, it all plays into that plan. And how do we want to go in subtly and let our work speak for itself? Or do we want to say, we're here, we're mutants, we're, we're as uh, in the first page, the, the potential uh, tagline for X-Corp is, we're simply superior, because they're homo superior. <laughs> are yeah. they simply superior? Do they just show up and let everybody know that? So it's, it's a very interesting little drama. Very, very big uh, first issue, I think, kind of larger than most of the other first issues. And I, this might be weird. If you're a fan of, of seeing what goes on at Roxxon or for uh, DC, if you're a fan of LexCorp, if you like the corporate side of superhero books, uh, definitely check that out. And we do have an uh, article on our website that is the top 10 superhero corporations, obviously published a long time before XCorp came to being. But uh, if you are a fan of those types of things, I think you're going to enjoy XCorp number one this week. So, and then I covered the M, so we're good. That is the aim for <laughs> X Corp number one from Marvel Comics. The only aspect of like corporate superhero life that I'm really curious about is the Christmas parties. <laughs> like, how crazy those. Could you imagine if Multiple Man abused his mutant power and has now been given like 80 drink tickets? <laughs> It's, See, I was thinking happen. getting extra Christmas gifts, but... Uh, oh, can, but it's can... the same name, but it's like, you know, you just got to have 80 different, I guess, mustache yeah, if disguises. He, if he duplicates himself before he gets, like, the stamp or the, the wristband, I mean, he's he's golden. But then mm -hmm. when he reabsorbs all of them, he reabsorbs the cumulative <laughs> the impact alcohol. of... Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, then you I just got to be drunk forever. Without giving the... that away, that's a plot point, is he needs information. And so if he, if he oh, reabsorbs, cool. but, he, but if they get destroyed before he reabsorbs absorbs them he doesn't have that information so either they're all going to get drunk and he's got to destroy all of his clones or mm -hmm. he's just like you said going to be drunk forever yeah, i don't think they... the x-men necessarily need a christmas party though because from what i've seen of krakoa it's just like all party all the time i mean that's, unless well, you're on the quiet quiet council <laughs> that's true they are yeah they are not having a good time all the time <laughs> uh that looks awesome i'm i'm really excited to pick this up this is just it's another we had we had talked about this a little a little bit. I mean, do we have to, see, do we have time for my rantings? Sure. Um, we got a couple minutes. That uh, you know, between me, you, and Rob, we've read quite a bit of Jonathan Hickman, um, who obviously did not write this particular book. I'm getting. I promise everyone, I'm getting to it. Um, but he has sort of kicked off this this world and this universe of you know new X Men you know within the world of Krakoa. Uh, he does a really great job of sort of having no stone unturned in a universe that he really wants to play in, and he's giving writers, um, you know, like everyone on this X Corp book and all of you know everything from Fallen Angels to Marauders, like every part of this universe is to be fleshed out and to see like uh, a corporate x-men book is i mean I, again i can't really speak to it amy you've been reading uh, x-men a little longer than me mm -hmm. like i would i don't ever i never thought i'd say that in a sentence you know a corporate x-men book oh absolutely not no i mean it's it's such a strange uh intersection of like when you think of who the X-Men are and people think, oh, the X-Men are the underdogs. Mm -hmm. The underdogs don't own 
billion dollar corporations that humans rely on now for life-saving medicine. It's just amazing. Um, And I want to say, just to add to Jonathan Hickman and the way he's revolutionized this universe, I don't think we'll ever see an X-Men book moving forward without one of those Hickman-style lore pages. I mean, the fact that Mm -hmm. we get to see email exchanges and uh, just like dossiers that are that are debriefing Reda- that are and redacted of, and redacted like... yeah that are part of the story I mean I, I I I like the fact that it doesn't carry outside of the X Men books but it is such a revolutionary thing for Marvel comics it's it almost feels like multimedia even though mm-hmm. it's not it's all part of the comic but like to have chunks of prose in the yeah. comic. Um, it, it adds a different experience, and, and I'd be curious to take a poll at some point, sometime of our people who are reading the X Men books. Does anyone just skip those pages? Do you? Do you oh, skip that's the emails? Like, or do you? Yeah. Do you read those? I mean, do you mean like my normal emails, or like in books? Because <laughs> I mean, yeah. get a little fight or flight reaction when you see those, but uh... <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, no. It's interesting. It's the same reason why, if I can totally, before we move on tangent, like if anyone's played Skyrim out there or any games like those why when you go to an entirely different village and you go into a random you know house and you take a random book off and you open it up and it's like the local um lore and songs of that village and it's like i didn't know i didn't need this but the (laughs) fact that it's there for me is it's like the option of being able to read it. So, um, and just like a game like that, or like with these infographic pages that Hickman and obviously the incredible Teeny Howard and all the other people that have worked in the Hawkspox verse. Uh, we say, sorry, we say Hawkspox because that's how this all sort of started. House of X, Powers of X. That was those were the first two titles that Jonathan Hickman started this new X Men verse with. But to see like no stone not unturned um is is so interesting and it's something that like it made me interested in the x-men and to be honest i never read the x-men i was not interested in them before this and now it's like if you we were saying amy it's like if you want to you can just get lost mm-hmm. in the x-men like whatever you know area of the x-men you want to and it's it's exciting yeah I, it's it's fascinating and to see how quickly that has happened in the last few years yeah uh, just it, it's unbelievable. Now, yes, now we have a corporate X book. Finally. Oh <laughs> uh, well, uh, thank you so much, everyone. Amy, that was X Core number one. Very, very stoked. So I'm gonna take us uh, on over to a simpler time. It's called time. Time is in the book <laughs> of the book that it's in. The, it's in the cover. It's called Time Before Time by Image Comics. Now, this is um, plotted, I should say, by Declan Shalvey and written by Rory McConville. Uh, I say that because uh, this is sort of a brainchild of Rory and Declan, but Declan did a lot of the plotting for probably the next coming issues and the words, you could say more of like, quote unquote, the day-to-day stuff was written by Rory and artist Joe Palmer and Chris O'Halloran on uh, colors there. This is an this is a book that I it was really sort of at the bottom of my list of things to read. Like it was one of those books like we all have them, like, oh it's cool. I I like the team on this. I'll get to it when I get to it. Um and we try to always on the comics all you know we look for number ones that we can give people 
because it's so much easier if this is your very, very first show with us. First of all, welcome. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around. Um, but if it's your your first show, it's easier for you to walk into a shop confidently and say like, hey, this is this new number one and I can go in confidently. So we, we try to pick as many number ones as possible. Um, and so this is why I picked this. I was not planning on reading this today. I was going to get to it in maybe a week or so, but I am so glad that I read it today. It is so good. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, I know me and, and Rob had differing opinions on uh, how we like, which is perfectly fine, which is the whole purpose of the medium of well, of anything, really. I mean, we can we enjoy it. Um, I personally liked it. I had sort of, so jumping right into the aim of it, as far as accessibility goes, it's it's a true number one. You don't need to know anything at all going um, going into this book. We, we call books true number ones, meaning uh, you need no prerequisite reading to enjoy this book. There's nothing. How Amy was saying, like, you probably should have an idea of some of the x-men happenings before you go into x-core like that is not a true number one per se but this is a true number one you don't need to have read a comic book ever in your life to enjoy this book and completely understand everything you need to know is in this book um now how easy is it to find it's a a medium launch i'd say it's not you know it's not cutting too heavy into the image comics marketing budget but it is um it is being promoted it is um it is on shelves, and there is, there are two other variants for this. So, um, I also if, believe it was on Kickstarter, but it was there was like a special edition version of it oh. that was like from like it was like concept to finished book, but it did go to Kickstarter before it hit Image Comics. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Declan Shalvey has done previous Kickstarters that have gone to different publishers, majoritively Image, but um, yeah, that makes sense. That was completely off my radar, but thank you. Yeah, which, I mean, it, it just goes to show, which is awesome as to why today it was being so praised, because people have been excited for it probably, I assume, now for some time. So that actually tracks and makes a lot of sense. Um, well, so the story of this is, is fascinating. I'm not going to give you too much of it, but we follow our main character. His name is uh, Tatsuyo, who works for what is called the syndicate and ultimately what they do is they are in the year 2140 and they have a sort of illegal underground operation where they can sneak people in the year 2140 into different they can time travel and take them away from 2140 um, but of course you have to pay and it's, it's an organized crime sort of story it's interesting you know it's got like really it just has a lot of different flavors of different properties that I really liked. I think it just sort of synced with me personally. Um, it's got some like mob ties to it, which I really, really enjoy, which is some of the reason I also really like Shadow Doctor uh, that had come out by Aftershock. Very similar where it's like it's it's based in something like this is like if we invented time travel, this would happen like this would eventually happen i i do believe like you know it's it's human nature and i really just enjoy that aspect of it um so oh and i'm sorry i, I apologize i've sort of switched into the interest of uh of time before time so uh 
This is really interesting. I mean, it was pitched to me uh, as like very similar to like Looper, um, and it definitely has some like Looper tendencies, but maybe not so much. I had I had joked before the show, and I had said it's like if uh, Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who run was on like HBO Max, <laughs> and it was a lot darker. Like that's kind of how it would it it would go. Um, or maybe even if Zack Snyder got a, a run at a Doctor Who episode, um, it's, it's kind of dark and kind of gritty, um, but it, but it's it's actually very well written. As Declan Shalvey and uh, McConville you know tend to do, they're they're both fantastic writers. Um, I, I really really enjoyed it. It's it's fun. Um, there's there's a lot of reason. Uh, by the end of issue one there are definite reasons to come back to issue two and three to see how some of all of this sort of fleshes out. I, um, I, I do like a book, uh, like in issue one here with in time before time that it doesn't show its hand, it's complete hand. Uh, there's plenty of world and lore to be handed out to you as far in the world of, in sorry, in the realms of like information. Um, but it is, it's also very well drawn. Uh, Joe Palmer does an excellent job also of, I should say Joe Palmer and Chris O'Halloran who worked very closely together on this particular book in getting each, cause it, it jumps to different times within this book, maybe three or four different time uh, set pieces, if you will. Uh, and each of them has a different uh, color scheme and that's really cool as well. Um, I always love when a book does that. Like, there's even some of that in um, DC in the uh, Festival of Heroes book that I forgot to mention, but in the Catwoman story, the Rom V story, um, there's some really good use of color because friggin' Jordi Belair, of course. Um, so, but I digress. I, 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 I might need this time before time to, to go back in time, talk about Jordi Belair, and then come back. Um, <laughs> But it's um yeah it, it's it's a really really fun story and then sort of switching you know ending here on the M the monetary investment it's only three ninety nine which is pretty standard for an image uh, comics number one story uh, I I really really enjoyed it I think if you are looking for like a new book like sometimes you know all of your books are middle in the runs, you know, they're 12s, 24s, and, you know, they're in the middle of everything, and you just need a number one, like a fresh uh, fresh kick in the brain. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we can uh, all use one of those from time to time. I agree. Yeah, same. I need one about every 30 minutes. So we can, um, yeah, I would recommend this. Time Before Time by Image Comics. Again, really fun book if you are a big uh, time travel sort of time cop fan. <laughs> It's also fun, I, apparently, if you're a time cop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So our final aim of this week is a number two issue. But I'm going to pull a Paul uh, because if you guys have been following our saga of HaHa, ha, this is another excellent uh, anthology series offered by Image Comics. I'm reviewing The Silver Coin, number two by Image, uh, nice. with uh, writing by Kelly Thompson, the ever- uh, effervescent and fantabulous Kelly Thompson with art, colors, and lettering by Michael Walsh. Um, so if you guys tuned into our previous talk when we did uh, Silver Coin number one as a pick of the week, this is a horror anthology series in the same vein as like a Twilight Zone type tale um, where the only connecting thread between these stories is the presence of a cursed silver coin that has an eyeball that can open up. That's pretty creepy. Um, but 
this story has nothing to do with the previous issue, which was by Chip Zdarsky. Um, not even the way in which the coin was left at the end of Chip Zdarsky's story does this play into uh, Kelly Thompson's. It's a totally independent story. And actually, where the silver coin was the centerpiece of Chip Zdarsky's story, this one is very interesting. It is more of a an accent detail. It's not the crux of the story. Uh, this is called The Girls of Summer, and this is a 90s set uh, story, uh, just a lot of fun. So in terms of accessibility, as I mentioned, again, it is a standalone. You could just pick up this number two, be done with the rest of the series. You don't have to go in for three or four, but those will also be by nice. different ar different writers, same artist, um, totally different stories. The next one is actually a home invasion story that is previewed at the end of this issue. Um, but it is a complete standalone. You don't need to know anything about it. And I think that is what makes it an ultimate grab and go. Um, in terms of interest, if you are a horror fan, welcome. Uh, so whereas the last story was a bit of a kind of a supernatural, almost a deal with the devil type horror, this is slasher. If you like slashers, this is your issue. I love slashers. I've, I know I've gone on record as saying I'm a weenie for horror films, <laughs> but like I love slashers because you kind of know what's you know what's going to happen. People yeah, are going to yeah. get slashed. Mm -hmm. um, but this is especially if you are a fan of Friday the 13th, the uh, very controversial Sleepaway Camp, or films like You Might Be the Killer, uh, which is actually a really a really fun lesser-known horror film that was uh, spawned out of a Twitter thread about a, a, um, <laughs> a friend. It call. It was about a friend calling someone else and saying, like, hey, I'm at a summer camp, and, like, I'm covered in blood. And the guy's like, well, you, you know, you might be the killer. So, anyways, totally different uh, thing. But if you like those kinds of stories... Also, if you're a fan of 90s and, and 80s girl dramas like Heathers, I would say that this is Friday the 13th mixed with Heathers. Um, Kelly Thompson Very doesn't buy it. Worlds. Uh, wow. Yeah. You'd, I mean, you'd be surprised. You'd be, Heathers is like a slasher film, except not really. Um, Thompson doesn't reinvent the slasher genre, but I don't think anyone was asking her to reinvent the slasher. Um, she does pay tribute to it without it becoming super tropey. Uh, that is always a risk when you're telling these types of stories for having it be like, oh, okay, you know, someone with a machete in the woods, you know what's going to happen. But it's a really nice, really briskly paced story. It's only about 22 pages in length total. Um, it's about a 28-page book overall, but you get 22 pages of story. And I don't want to spoil anything for you because, again, it is just such a fast and engaging read but there's a really cool way that uh michael walsh plays with the visuals um and the first page i'll say because we're a spoiler free podcast as much as we can be but um the first page opens with a vhs of a slasher film and so you know how you get that film grain on vhs you get the chromatic aberration where the blues and nice. reds start to to splinter on the image there are other parts of this book that do take on that chromatic aberration later on and they and it gives you this sense of like, am I watching a VHS or is this real life playing out? And I think it's a really <laughs> brilliant uh, use of the horror visuals. Michael Walsh's artwork, of course, also sings. It's just he's so good at these shadows and, and making these little girls seem, I mean, because when you're a kid at summer camp and you're like, the, you're like the nerd kid, the mean girls are the scariest things around. Um, mm -hmm. And there are some really graphic pages towards the end. I will, I will warn you that more than the Chip Zdarsky story, there's some straight up blood and guts in this one. Murder. There's a thank you, Paul. There is a really good panel that I like, and I can't tell you why I like it, but it's very much a coalescing of everything that happened in the book in a very disgusting tableau that reminds me of kind of the the displays in Hannibal. If you've watched 
the Hannibal show. Ah. But that's all I'm going to say. Okay. It's great. I love it. This is just the perfect. I mean, it is a it is a slasher. It is a 90s. It is Kelly Thompson. <laughs> it is everything that I could have asked for. And I do love that the color, the cover has some pink to it. Where you're like, oh, it's, it's kind of girly. It's got everything. <laughs> this comic has everything. Uh, but yeah, like I do like that the cover's got a little bit of that pink tinge. Because it's like, ooh, it's girly. It's not. It's very scary. <laughs> but uh, but it's this not. Is, it's such a good comic. Um, three ninety nine in terms of M. Nice. Uh, it's, it does feel a little shorter when compared with the Chip Zdarsky one, but that one mm-hmm. was because it was a lot of introspection on the, do I make a deal with the devil? Do I sell my soul to rock and roll? Um, and this, yes. again, it's a slasher. It's a lot of fun. We haven't seen a whole lot of slashers in comics lately, unless you're reading Maniac of New York from Aftershock. It's um, so good. But it's refreshing to see this uh, genre tackled not only by female characters, but a female writer. Um, now, now, Amy, not, uh, sorry, I can't yeah. think off the top of my head. How many issues is Silver Coin running for? I believe it's four. Oh, um, I uh, let me actually check really quick who the next writer is. I will pull up my issue real fast. I thought it was Lemire. I think I know Lemire is in there. He's he in might there, be, right? He might be the next one. It's Ed, Bris- br- Ed Brisson is next uh, with Death Brisson. Rattle, which right, is after okay. a home invasion goes bad, the mysterious coin helps its new owners outrun the law, but it's leading them down a path much darker. So Ed Brisson is next. Nice. And then uh, Jeff Lemire will finish it off. And I don't remember what genre his horror story is, but uh, the next one is Home Invasion. So if you're into that kind of stuff, keep an eye out. But Silver Coin number two, don't sleep on it just because it's a number two issue. It yeah. is an anthology. It is a standalone. You can dive right in. And I highly, highly recommend you do. All right. Do it. It comes right from the uh, hot off the comics hall presses, everyone. go. <laughs> you should be reading Silver Coin. It's really good. But speaking of uh, things that we anticipate, things that we love, we have our Holler at the Hall segment, yes. which, of course, we guys always we ask you guys a question. You can answer it in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group, on our social media, or in the local comic society, which is our own uh, secret organization of comic book uh, geeks who just want to talk variant covers and new releases and all that good stuff. So this week, we asked you guys, what is your most anticipated new comic book of the summer? We've got solicitations up through july we've got a lot of stuff coming even more events um so we asked you guys and you answered all right so starting off charles tett said my most anticipated release is sinister wars it's the uh, spider-man event that's coming very very shortly for everyone um who may not know and he's, he continues to say i've always been drawn more towards the villains and this series looks like it's going to be jam-packed with some of the best bad guys agreed Oh, yeah. With a title like Sinister, you know you're in for some fun. Mm -hmm. Andrew Worshborn says, as always, I'm excited for the X-Books. With the Hellfire Gala, we have Planet Size X-Men number one and a new X-Men volume with a new team and a newer mission. Then comes the Trial of Magneto. And Andrew Worshborn adds, I have a theory that Mystique is going to frame Magneto for murder at the gala because they won't resurrect Destiny. I'll be very (laughs) excited to see if that plays out the way that you think, my friend. (laughs) If If it does play out that way, us four including rob we're all gonna play the lottery <laughs> that's what's gonna happen next we'll call um, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh kenneth uh bunan says uh lastly booster and beetle together again dan jurgens uh and ryan Suk are the creative team uh nice. that is of course blue and gold uh, which is the uh, new book? Not that's the coming. X-Men. <laughs> not not the X-Men. No, uh, which is coming, uh, I believe, in like the end of July, uh, which I'm very excited for. I've got um, 
I'm huge, huge Booster Gold fan. I don't know why, but I've always really loved Booster Gold, and I've always wished that he would get more um, page, page time, mm-hmm. not screen. What's what's the comic book version of screen time? I guess it would be page time. <laughs> page time, everyone. Um, so yeah, I've always wished that we could get more Booster Gold. So here we go, and they've got a, such a cool, fun Booster and Beetle have such a fun relationship too. Awesome. Well, Paul, aside from that, is there a title that you're most excited about in the next couple months? Yes, and I hope I'm not stealing your answer, but it's uh, James Tyne and the Fourth's um, The Nice House on the Lake. Nice. Man, I love everything JT4 is doing right now, and I am absolutely like in love with that particular like group. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird. It's like that group horror dynamic. Like it's just the whole book seems really cool. Um, and I think I'm they really just broke a hundred thousand pre-orders on that as they well, sure which is pretty pretty big. I'm on that. I'm on that train, baby. <laughs> you're you're all of those pre-orders, and I'm, <laughs> I'm all I'm of them. Also, one of them. Rob, would you like to uh, chime in as well before we wrap this show up? I was gonna say wrap this show on the road, but that doesn't. That's not how that goes. <laughs> sure. I mean, honestly, the thing that I'm most excited for going forward is just more sil- silver coin. I'm oh, I'm so hooked so now. The first issue I've really liked, and this second one, I'm so I'm gonna be good. a fan. I just need all of them now. I'm hoping it goes the way of HaHa and maybe Image goes, hmm, what if we could uh, get a few more out of Michael Walsh and do a few more issues? Because <laughs> yes. it, it has yes, staying please. potential. Yes, please. Yes, please, Michael what Walsh. What about you, A.B.? I'm going to say Barbaric from Vault Comics. Oh. Now, I've had the privilege of previewing the first two issues, and this one is the real deal. Uh, this is a sword and sorcery uh, story from Vault coming up this summer. I believe it's in June. You can pre-order now. It's going to be nice. by Michael Morrissey and uh, Nathan Gooden. And it is, if you're a fan of Jason Aaron's stuff, if you're a fan of Conan and Thor and that kind of drunken warrior, uh, you're going to want to check that one out because it's about a man named Owen the Barbarian who has been cursed to only do uh, good deeds for the rest of his life. And he's he's a big uh, burly. He looks like uh, Blanca from... Uh, from Street Fighter. He's got the big orange oh. hair. He's like this big angry dude. And he is bound to a talking axe that gets blood drunk. And the axe tells him who has to be killed. And he only, and the, the compass, I mean, the, the axe has a weird moral compass as well. So he's maybe not the best judge of character. But if he decides that someone is bad and they deserve to die, Owen has to kill them. And he's not allowed to kill Anybody else, if the axe doesn't tell him to. And also, oh. no one else can hear the axe talking. So it is the perfect setup for sword, sorcery, and, <laughs> and I'm, silliness. I'm just warning everyone now. There will be a plethora of Dave the Barbarian references once we get to that comic. I'm just warning everyone now. Huge but a wimp. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I've read the first two issues, and it is so much fun, and there's a great female character in it that I don't want to spoil, but she's a very interesting foil to uh, this oh. whole situation with Owen and his cursed axe. Speaking of people that talk to their weapons like Katana, right? <laughs> and the axe's name is just Axe, so. Oh, nice. <laughs> They, they really uh, stretched the brain on that one. No, it's 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 a fantastic uh, new entry from Vault. And again, I'm loving everything that Vault does. Yeah, they so. have not missed. So pre-order that one as well. Please. Go do it. And thank you. All right, oh. guys. That does it for this week's show. I mean, it Did feels it. good to be back to normal. We've got a couple more normal shows. Who knows mm-hmm. when the next time we're going to go off the rails is going to be. But next week, we'll be back on uh, May 19th with all the new comic books as mm-hmm. well for you guys. But before then, we do have one more Holler at the Hall question for you. So 
sit on it, think on it. Uh, check us out in Facebook on our social at the Comics Hall on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, again, local comic society, let your geek side show. And you can always email us at the Comics Hall at sideshow.com. We want to know what is your big, uh, what is your favorite big two crossover event? Of all the crossover events they've done, and I'm not not specifically Marvel crossover with DC, but there have been a couple of those. So you can choose one of those. Um, but well, we've got Heroes Reborn going on right now, and we're going to have Extreme Carnage coming out later, and we've just had Infinite, or we've got a uh, Future State spinning right. off an Infinite Frontier. What is your favorite big two event? I know we all get a little bit of event fatigue sometimes, but there are some real gems out there. So start thinking. Okay. Get your responses. Okay. We'll ask you guys. Uh, in our groups, and we look forward to hearing your responses. Nice. I already know which one mine is, but uh, I'm sure everybody already knows, so I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. We'll save it for next time. But I, that's, I mean, that's all we've got for Wednesday, May 12th. It is a great yeah. week. Hopefully you're able to go out, pick up some books, find some new stuff. There is uh, wonder to be found on your shelves this, this and every week. <laughs> I need that on a bookmark. <laughs> <laughs> there is wonder on your shelves. <laughs> Can you tell my mom used to be a librarian? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's where I get it. But <laughs> enough of that. Thank you guys so much for joining us Thank this week. Guys. We'll catch you next time. As always, I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And this has been The Comics Hall. This has been The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing thecomicshall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at The Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, don't forget to let your geek side show. Sideshow.